This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon Damer. Larry Hardesty, how are we feeling tonight, my friend? Great, my friend. I am doing great. I am doing great. You know, tonight is Know Your Opponent Night, Gordon. It is. Yes, yeah, so we got uh, back-to-back Know Your Opponents. Brady Henderson will take care of the Seahawks at 9.15, and Adam Tetcher will take care of the Kansas City Chiefs at 9.30. So we will give you, you know, an idea of what the Giants and Jets will face respectively. You kind of know what Kansas City does. But I'm very curious to see what we can expect from Seattle. And I know Gordon's in a great move because uh, Jalen Waddell cleared proto- uh, concussion protocols. Yeah. He'll be set to go. Maybe they can score 75 this week. You never know, right? Yeah, you know. I, I tell you, if I'm him, I'm happy to get back. I don't want you to think that you can go off <laughs> scoring a lot <laughs> without me. I well, want to be involved. He has to be the guy who got benched for the, the, the like the baseball game where the team scores 25 runs. Exactly. You, you want to get in on the action, and he was not able to get in on the action last week. So, uh, well, look, they're going to the Buffalo. The Bills present certain challenges, certainly a far more formidable <laughs> challenge than the Broncos did. So, uh, yeah, they're going to need all their weapons this weekend. So one of the feature games this week in the National Football Week of Week 4, and a little later in the show, we'll, go, we'll take you around the league and get you caught up. But, Gordon, let's start with the top stories we're looking at tonight, Thursday night, September 28th on ESPN New York Tonight. Uh, I know Harvey and Joe will cross their eyes about this, but, Gordon, we begin with baseball. Jeff McNeil suffered a partial tear to the only collateral ligament in his left elbow that ends his season. He doesn't expect to require surgery. He did get the uh, PCP injection. Uh, but he says that, you know, he believes he suffered it while sliding into second base during the Mets series this month against Arizona. Yeah, just when you like at this point of the season, you just want to get done with it, right? Like yeah. for the Yankees, for the Mets, for both of them. Uh, so this is not what you want now. An injury for a player that's, I would guess, going to kind of impact him maybe to the start of the next season, too, right? Yeah, it could be. We'll see what happens. Hopefully there's no setbacks where he's got to go in and on second, you know, get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. You need the surgery, and then that bleeds over into you know spring training and the opening of next season. So hopefully, yeah, not what you're looking for. Not what you're looking for. Please, we don't want to start the season with another injury. We did that with Edwin Diaz. I don't need was, to repeat. I mean, I don't know about September, but it seemed like he was finally starting to find yeah. his footing a little bit. Absolutely. You know, I'm not big on I'm not big on guys hitting when the I'm not big on finding your footing when there's nothing. No, nothing to play, to play for, for September, right? Yeah, don't don't believe what happens in uh, in April. Don't believe what happens in September. But yeah, not not what you were looking for an injury at this late the, uh, in the season, especially from the guy who was the reigning defending batting champion. Mm-hmm. According to published reports, Gordon San Diego may be willing to shed payroll, looking to move Juan Soto before his free agent year. Jeff Passan says Soto could be a Met. John Heyman says a Yankee and don't count out the Mets. What say you, Gordon Damer? Well, I, th- I don't think you can count out the Mets on anybody. Because, I mean, if Soto's getting moved, whoever is getting him is doing so with at least the intention of signing him long term. And when you're a Juan Soto at his age with what he has produced and who, if you take a look at who he is familiar, who, who he is similar to in terms of uh, production at this point of their careers, it's all-time great. He is on a Hall of Fame track, and you can say that at the age of 24, 25, 26. So, yeah, I don't think you can rule out the Mets. I would be very surprised if the Yankees make a push for Juan Soto. Interesting. Let's talk a little football. 
Zach Wilson spoke to the media today, Gordon, and of course he was asked about Joe Namath's comments heard on the Michael K. Show earlier in the week. I mean, his criticism was pretty harsh. I mean, does, does that bother you at all? Or like, yeah. iconic player? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously Joe was an unbelievable player, but this locker room is very tight-knit, and we're working to get better. I'm working to get better. I know I need to improve, and I promise I'm doing everything I can to keep trying to get better. And so... Um, the focus is just to rely, uh, rely on each other in this locker room and lean on each other because that's all we got at the end of the day, and we're going to do everything we can to keep improving. Notice, Gordon, a Jet player sporting, I got your back, paraphrasing him. We, I got your back, a little different than, uh, you know, no Trevor effing Seaman. Yeah. <laughs> Simeon. Right, yeah. Um, let, let's see how long they got his back. Let's see how long this lasts. Here's Nathaniel Hackett. He weighs in on the challenges of trying to tailor this offense from Rodgers to Wilson. Every single quarterback that plays in this league, they all have a little different system. There's different things that they do well and how they work with different people. So I think for us, we're just trying to find the best things that we can do for Zach. You know, we want to be sure that we put him in a good position along with the entire team, whether it's the wide receivers on their routes and the offensive line blocking what they're blocking. So it's just everything. We're continually challenging our guys, pushing our guys to play faster, stronger, challenging the coaches to find the schemes that will best fit them. So that's something that we're just going to continually try to make adjustments so we can get into a rhythm. Right, and hopefully they can find some kind of rhythm to be to give put some kind of points on the board Sunday night against Kansas City. Let's hope so. They're going to need some points. We know that much yes. for sure. No question. Uh, ten's not going to get it done. No, not, <laughs> not going to get no. it done. Former Giant Amani Toomer was on the Michael K. Show earlier today and was asked about the Giants' offensive struggles. What's going on, Amani? Anytime you see a quarterback dropping back and he's not hitting his fifth step and immediately moving forward with the ball, there's something wrong. Either he's not seeing it, not reading it, people aren't getting open, but no offense is designed for a quarterback to sit back there and hold the ball in the pocket. There's a lot going on there with this giant offense. They still haven't established the run game. They still haven't established a deep threat playmaker, even though Jalen Hyatt has had some really uh, explosive plays. But Jalen Hyatt and Saquon Barkley and – Darren Waller in the middle, all those guys together aren't really clicking that will make this offense open up and work. So I I think Daniel Jones is struggling a little bit this year, even though his stats may not be horrible, but his effectiveness hasn't been the same, and that's a a function of the offense, the entire offense really struggling. Yeah, it's it's, it's an early sample size, Gordon, but that's why they need to get things back on track against the Seattle defense. That, you know, is tough, but they've got some issues as well. They got to block and they got to tackle. That's where it starts, man. That's the foundation of anything, right? If you can't block up front on offense, you can't tackle on defense, you're not going to win many games. So the Giants are fortunate they had to come back against Arizona, but this week against Seattle. Now, this is a team that you can move the ball through the air. At least teams have Mm -hmm. moved the ball through the air. So uh, it's a better test for the Giants to see where they're at. I mean, it's almost a must-win kind of game when you consider the opponent and where they're at, if they lose what what they're looking at. But this is a team where the passing game should be able to be effective. But, again, it comes down to they got to block better. The offensive line has just got to be better. Yeah, no question about it. Gordon, you remember Colorado and Colorado State University, Colorado's Travis Hunter and Colorado State's Henry Blackburn? Mm-hmm. You know, they met, on, yeah, they met sure. on September 16th. Blackburn hit Hunter, sending him to the hospital with a lacerated liver. Blackburn's family received death threats. Colorado coach Deion Sanders condemned the threats, and Hunter invited Blackburn to Boulder, 
Gordon, the players bowled together for charity. Hunter, who missed last week's loss to Oregon, will sit out Saturday when USC visits Colorado. He wanted to play, but Dion said, no, son, you're sitting this one out. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, Colorado certainly is uh, still kind of licking the wounds after uh, everything that happened uh, against Oregon, so we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But uh, it's been a fun story, so hopefully, you know, it's not the last we've heard of it this year. Now, Gordon, we're going to take a page out of DNR. You know DNR, 6 to 10 a.m., and, and I know RJ's listening because he listens all the time. And, Gordon, you know Rick DiPietro told us that he's listened to us despite his wife's protests mm-hmm. at night. So I want to acknowledge we are taking a page out of the Did It Happen in Florida, which they do on Thursday. You ready for this one, Gordon? Give a fan me. was denied entry into Citizens Bank Park on Wednesday when he attempted to get in with an emotional support alligator. That's from multiple reports. A emotional support uh, alligator, Gordon. We've let this slide as a, as a society because everybody loves dogs, right? Everybody loves dogs. You see, you go someplace, oh, there's a dog. We all love dogs. Dogs are the only emotional support animals. There's no emotional support peacocks. There's no emotional support aardvarks. Let's knock this out. It's dogs, and that's all. That's the only. There's no emotional support cats. I'm sorry. There's not. Enough, enough's enough. Not even an alligator, Gordon? I need no, an alligator. No, absolutely not. Under and no look, uh, it wasn't that long ago there was a story in, in, in Florida. Somebody ran into an alligator, and they didn't. That was that was all for them. So, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I saw that, and I thought about you right away. I don't know why, but I thought about you right away. <laughs> Those are the top stories that we'll be covering tonight on ESPN New York Tonight. When we return, Brady Anderson, ESPN reporter of the Seahawks, will join us here on 98.7 ESPN. Damn alligator bit my hand off. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's time. To know your opponent. It's ESPN New York Tonight. Larry Hardesty, Gordon Damer in the Big Apple. Giants will face the Seattle Seahawks at MetLife Stadium on Monday night. Kind of a must-win situation for the Giants. We want to figure out what's going on with those Seahawks, especially an up-close-and-personal look at Geno Smith, who looks nothing like the Geno Smith that played with the New York Jets, that's for sure. Brady Henderson does a great job covering the Seahawks for ESPN. He joins us right now. Brady, Larry Hardesty, Gordon Damon, New York. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Hey, what's up, Larry and Gordon? Thank you for having me. No problem. Brady, I want to start with the roster, which jumped out at me. You and Green Bay have the most rookies on the 53-man roster. You got 15. 14 of them were, uh, were active in the win over Carolina. What's the secret and which of these players kind of stand out to you? Yeah, it, it is a pretty young uh, Seahawks team. Obviously, they've got veterans at certain key spots, like Geno Smith, the quarterback, but there's a lot of first- and second-year guys, and they had you know, that really strong draft class last year uh, with you know, a, an extra first- and second-round pick uh, that they got from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade, and that was a, a really good draft class. And I mean, they, I, I know neither of uh, their guys won it, but you know, Tariq Woolen, at cornerback, and, and uh, Ken Walker, the third at running back, were both – you know, in the running for offensive and defensive player of the year. I, I think that um, Ken Walker should have won it. Uh, that's my personal opinion. I know people in New York may disagree with that, but, uh, but yeah, and, and they think they had another really strong draft class this year. Again, had, um, you know, some extra picks from that Wilson trade. So it was a very, 
you know, um, they had a, quite a bit of early round draft capital and, and um, you know, Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, their rookie seasons haven't really jumped out off the page so far, but, you know, Witherspoon is probably playing better than, you know, just some of the numbers suggest in the two games that he's played. He's had some, you know, tough um, defensive pass interference penalties against him. He gave up a touchdown on a flea flicker where he bit on the, the play fake, uh, but he is, starting to show them why he was the fifth overall pick and um, the highest draft pick of the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era with Smith and Jigba um, again, hasn't really had monster production by any means, but um, you know, he was not a guy that I, I would have expected to really have like a Garrett Wilson type rookie season, just because you know, he's playing in a, a, you know, run heavy offense behind Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And really, if you look at the usage, um, you know, they've had to rely on multiple tight end sets, two and three tight end sets the last couple of weeks because of their tackle situation. So they've had more, you know, two and three uh, tight end sets than they've had three wide receiver sets that would put Smith and Jigba on the field just because they've had to help out their uh, tackles and their backup tackles in pass protection. Uh, Brady, Geno Smith was really one of the big stories of last year, how he he became just a, almost a different player after all the years in the league. And then this year coming in, I guess there were some questions. Could he back it up? And then week one had a bit of a, a rough performance against the Rams, but then what was it, 31 against the Lions, lit up the Panthers. Is he right back to where he was last year? Yep, I would say so, yeah. And, um, you know, he he did have the bad second half against the Rams. I think he was okay in the first half of that game and then um, really played one of his better games, you know, of his Seahawks career uh, in Detroit where just, you know, really navigating, again, the, the backup tackle situation in a loud stadium uh, with backups at left and right tackle and a pretty good pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson. And, um, you know, he, he was – he just makes he, – he just makes, like, really big-time plays. And that's why I thought that um, as, you know, as much as I didn't see that season last year that he had – and, and I, it, look, trust me, people with the Seahawks didn't even see that coming uh, – so is is kind of out of nowhere as that was, you know, nothing about it seemed like a fluke because it wasn't like you could say, well, he's just, you know, dumping the ball off and he's got the playmakers who were racking up all the yards after the catch and doing all the work for him. Like that's not the case at all. He was making big time downfield throws on a rope where you see just the, the arm talent. You even saw, you know, even at 30 plus years old, you saw him make more plays with his legs than I would have anticipated too. And so, um, he's he's a legitimate like big time starting quarterback, and um, he's he's you know had again the one bad half against the Rams, but um, he's starting to show it again. Hey Brady, let's stick with the offense. You mentioned uh, Ken Walker the uh, third. That ground attack's been very good. Pete Carroll now with the two-headed monster. I mean, for years, you know, you had the the guy that didn't like to talk to the media that much, <laughs> who was the single bell cow for that running running attack. But now you got the two-headed monster back there. Talk about the running game. Yeah, and I think that is what uh, Pete Carroll likes to have. And I think you know that's it, just sort of the way of the world in most cases in the NFL right now. It, it's rare where you get you know, Marshawn Lynch and a Derrick Henry who just you pegged for 30 carries a game. And um, so, you know, Pete Carroll even said the other day that this sort of reminds him of, you know, what he had at USC with Lendale White and um, and obviously Reggie Bush. And, you know, Charbonnet, Zach Charbonnet, their rookie second-round pick, he's I mean, not as big as Lendale White, but he is sort of filling that role of, of more of the power back, whereas Ken Walker uh, the third is is kind of the, you know, shifty, speedier guy. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, their running game, really every, almost every part of their team, with the exception of their run defense, has been up and down for the first three games. But you saw their running game uh, get going last week against Carolina, and that's really how they, um, they put that game away. Remember, they were trailing 13-12. Uh, at halftime to us, I would say not a very good Carolina team that didn't have Bryce Young. And then um, they started running the ball in the second half. Ken Walker, the third had a couple touchdowns in that game, almost a hundred yards. And so um, look at that, that pick of Charbonnet in the second round coming on the heels of them drafting Ken Walker, the third in the second round last year, that was really a controversial pick as, as for as many, uh, you know, as much praise as they, this draft class again, got this past April, that was the one pick that a lot of people disagreed with. And obviously we'll see time will tell if, uh, if that ended up making sense, but that's what they want to have. You know, they've, they've just been snake bitten by injuries the past few seasons at running back. And that was definitely part of it is knowing how much they want to run the ball. Um, they feel like they need to have another, you know, high caliber guy there in case one of them goes down. Uh, a lot of you mentioned the injuries. A lot of guys, non-participants in uh, the, the, on the are, are on the injury report. Uh, is there one that's the most concerning, uh, even with the extra day to get ready? Well, yeah, the the one that I'm going to have my eye on here is uh, Uchenna Nwosu, and he is their best pass rusher and outside linebacker that they uh, signed in for agency last year and then uh, re-signed, gave him a big extension this offseason. He might be their best defensive player, um, and he popped up on the injury report today as a non-participant with the Achilles injury. Now, we didn't hear anything about that after the game Sunday, didn't hear anything about it from uh, Pete Carroll uh, either on Monday or earlier today. So um, that just sort of sprang up there. But, yeah, they had 10 guys who didn't practice today. Now, some of those guys – um, they played through these same injuries against Carolina and, you know, made it through that. So DK Metcalf, I would expect him to play. Uh, Quandre Diggs, Jaron Reed, I would expect those three guys to play. But there's got a bunch of guys who are, I would say, question marks. And then uh, Yuchenna Nwosu is uh, one of the more intriguing guys on that list because he, he, again, might be their best defensive player. Brady Henderson, the ESPN Seahawks uh, reporter, is joining us on the Know Your Opponent segment of ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Brady, let's talk about the the Seahawks defense. It's been interesting in looking over the stats. I mean, you know, the run game has really improved from last year, but there's been some issues with the pass and some issues on third down. What what are you seeing? Yeah, it's it's there. You know, the the one real question mark going into this uh, season, really, with the team in general, the, the entire team on either side of the ball, it was did they do enough over the off season to fix their run defense? It, it was atrocious last year. I mean, they lost games repeatedly uh, because of their run defense. And, um, you know, they made some big time moves this off season. Signing Draymond Jones was one of them, bringing back Bobby Wagner, bringing back Jaron Reed, but there was, it was still the biggest question mark going into it. And yet that has been uh, the one thing through three games that they've been able to rely on as, as a, a consistent strength for them. I think they're, allowing 2.9 yards per carry, which is among the best in the league. And, um, you know, I, I don't think a team has finished below three in like 10 years. So I, I don't know if that number is going to hold, but um, it's certainly been the best part of their defense. And, you know, their, their pass defense has not been as good. Now, what I will say is they, you know, Andy Dalton threw the ball 58 times uh, Sunday um, in that Carolina game. And so you're going to give up some yards whenever a quarterback is throwing the ball that much. But, um Pass rush has been hot and cold. I mean, the pass defense 
was, you know, something of an issue for the first couple games as well. And, and now they're going to be bringing a new guy into the mix and Jamal Adams. And so there's one more, you know, sort of moving part in there. So I'm curious to see if that gets any better. And it, as you guys know, the past coverage is not really Jamal Adams strength. Um, so that is something to monitor going forward. But yeah, the run defense has really been the only thing their defense has done consistently well. Assuming that uh, Jamal makes his uh, season debut Monday night, what's a, what's a fair expectation for him after not playing for so long? Yeah, well, I, I, first of all, I, I don't know if they're going to try to limit his snaps. Now, Pete Carroll earlier in the week sort of seemed to imply that they wouldn't. He said he's got, he'll have no restrictions at all. Now, I just can't imagine him you know, playing for the first time in uh, a year in, what, three weeks and playing 70 snaps if it comes to that, or even 60 or 50. So I would guess that they're going to try to sell him at, uh, at least a little bit. But um, I think in terms of expectations and how they're going to use him, I, th- I think you're going to see him play a lot of linebacker in passing situations. And the idea there, obviously, is, is you know you you sort of mitigate his weaknesses in pass coverage when you get him closer to the line of scrimmage and uh, you try to maximize his strengths, which is which is being a blitzer, which is sort of being in the flat, being you know making plays against the run sideline to sideline. And so that was actually the plan going into last year. Uh, that's what they were going to do: try to get him back to his 2020 form when he had all those sacks in his first season in Seattle. He didn't have a single sack in 2021, and um, what happened was uh, offenses started adjusting to Seattle and how they were blitzing him, and the Seahawks coaching staff just didn't do a good enough job of adjusting back. And, and as a result, he just wasn't being put in advantageous blitzing situations. So the idea going into last year was put him closer to the line of scrimmage, let him bounce around uh, before the snap, and, and to try to you know be less predictable, make it harder for offenses to hone in on where he's going to be. And so I think you're going to see that. Uh, now that he's back out there. And, you know, the question for Adams is just going to be, look, can he stay healthy? That was not an issue for him in New York. I think he only missed, what, one or two games over three seasons in New York. So he was pretty durable. And then it's just been the complete opposite story in Seattle. Even before he had that torn quad tendon in week one of last year, there was two. He, he tore the shoulder labrum in the same shoulder twice. He had a groin injury, elbow injury broke his fingers multiple times. So he's really been snake bit by injuries and to the point where any conversation you have about what Jamal Adams is going to be for the Seahawks, it, it always comes with the caveat now of he's got to stay healthy. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks reporter. Thanks for a couple of minutes tonight, my friend. We'll see you down the road. Enjoy the game on Monday. All right. You got it, guys. Thank you. Enjoy the game as well. Take care. Thank All you, right. Brady. That's Brady Henderson. When we return, we'll find out what's going on in Kansas City. I mean, on the field. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's time to know your opponent. Larry Hardesty, Gordon Damer, it's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. We just heard from Brady Henderson in Seattle. Now we head to Kansas City. That's where Adam Teicher is hanging out. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN. Adam, Larry, and Gordon in New York. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great, Adam. Adam, (laughs) this has got to be an interesting week for you. I mean, 
in preparing for, for the Jets, I guess the top story is what the former Jet quarterback that won the Super Bowl is blasting the new Jet quarterback. How how has that played in the Kansas City locker room? Yeah, well, everybody here is talking about Taylor Swift. So, um, you know, not, not a whole lot of attention to football this week. It's It's been all about Taylor Swift. But, uh yeah, it, it has been a kind of a crazy deal for the Jets. And, um, you know, the Chiefs went through that last week. They played the Bears, and they had the deal with the defensive coordinator there and and um, uh, and, and all that, and, and uh, Justin Fields uh, talking about his coaches. And, and so it was, uh, you know, it's kind of the second straight week there's been a little bit of turmoil with the uh, um, Chiefs opponents. So uh, they're they're getting used to this, I guess. Adam, we would just like to live vicariously through you who gets to cover a team that, you know, is just rolling through the season. Oh, ho-hum, 30 points here, 40 points there. What is it like to co- – we got the Jets, we got the Giants. We thought we were getting a reprieve this year, but no, it's right back in the toilet. Uh, what is it like to cover a team that, you know, knows what they're doing and, 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 and can, even during the season, get swept up in, in Taylor Swift mania and it's not going to impact the team on the field? Yeah, well, I um, I know what you guys are talking about because I covered the Chiefs before Andy Reid got here, so I know what uh, what bad football is. Uh, the Chiefs had some pretty bad teams uh, for a few years before before he got here. So uh, yeah, it is kind of a different deal. It's um, you know it's um, you know you really appreciate. I, I really appreciate what a good coach Andy Reid is and how um, how he goes about his business having seen other coaches who just aren't that good, you know, and, uh, um, you know, certainly having Pat Mahomes certainly helps. He, he wasn't as successful, of course, until he got, until Mahomes came along, but, uh, you know, that's part of it. He, uh, you know, that's the quarterback he wanted. He's helped develop him and, uh, you know, the chiefs were the team that went and got him. So, uh, they've sort of earned him if, if that makes any sense. And, um, it, so it, it is kind of a, a different deal. You go to, uh, the stadium every week expecting to see something good. And I'm going to ask you about Travis Kelsey and it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I want, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I want you to tell me a question that Gordon and I just can't figure out. Why is Travis Kelsey always open? Adam, why is he always open? Well, the short answer is because he's good. Uh, um, he, he just knows how to play the game. I mean, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, the, the guy just has it figured out. I mean, he's a former quarterback, so he kind of understands the passing game that way and just uh, sort of instinctively knows where to be. And uh, um, he, he uh, it is sort of a really interesting phenomenon, and um, um, so it's, it's interesting watching he and Mahomes together. I mean, they scored a touchdown the other day against the Bears, where uh, that Kelsey didn't run the route that he was supposed to, but Mahomes knew what was coming. He predicted it and um, ended up throwing uh, Kelsey the ball where he was where, rather than where he should have been, and it was a touchdown. So uh, he just has that knack for uh, finding holes in coverage, and uh, he's really good at it. And those two have worked long enough together now where they just, um, uh, they just sort of uh, are on the same page. 
uh, when talking about their offense, uh, the Chiefs' offense, you know, last year was supposed to be, oh, they lost Tyreek Hill. How are they going to get by? <laughs> they got by just fine. Uh, it seems like there's been different guys a little bit this week, and one of the ones that has jumped out a little bit has been uh, Rasheed Rice. I know he had a big game last week. Uh, what can you tell us about Rice and, and what his impact could be for this offense? Yeah, you know, he, he's just getting started here. And, uh, you know, it's um, um, you figure as he goes along and he becomes, uh, you know, more familiar with Mahomes and Andy Reid's offense that uh, he's going to be a bigger part of things, you know. And he's made some mistakes. He's dropped some passes. He deflected one the other day against Chicago to a defender. So it hasn't been perfect for him. And until he does figure some of these things out, I don't think he's going to be an every-down guy. But, uh, you know, the Chiefs are really excited about him and uh, think that maybe he can be uh, uh, maybe by the end of the season even their number one receiver. We'll see if that's realistic or not. But uh, that, that's the hope anyway. You know, Adam, when we, when we think about Kansas City's offense, obviously we think about Mahomes and what he's able to do and, you know, the great receivers he's had, Kelsey and, and company. But the running game has been also really important to this team, and you've got a couple of really, really talented running backs that continue to wreak havoc. Just talk about the depth of the running game and how important that is to what you guys do offensively. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco has made a difference. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he'll he'll make guys miss, he'll break tackles. I mean, the Chiefs haven't had a back quite like that in some time, so. Um, he has made a difference, not as much impact uh, in the passing game as a receiver, but they have Jarek McKinnon for that. I mean, he scored a couple touchdowns last week. Uh, I think he had uh, seven or eight receiving touchdowns last year. So he, he's kind of their third down back and does a nice job of it. So between the two of them, maybe uh, they make a nice uh, one-two uh, combination. A guy that we're familiar with here in New York is Kadarius Toney. Um, when he got traded to Kansas City, we thought that, you know, there's a possibility the Chiefs and Mahomes, they're going to really unlock him. And, and obviously he had a huge play in the Super Bowl. But a lot of the same stories have kind of popped up. Inconsistency, some injury, staying on the field has been an issue. What's his status uh, as uh, we get ready for this game? Yeah, he hardly played last week um, against the Bears. Uh, part of that was because the Chiefs got a big lead and, and didn't want to uh, put him out there. He had a, a, a toe thing that was uh, bothering him. He looks good at practice, though. I had uh, watched him today. He looked like he's ready to go uh, this week, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it, it is the same story with him here that it was in New York. I mean, he's just uh, – had these uh, weird injuries that keep popping up, and um, you know he, he's shown those flashes from time to time. You know you saw it in the Super Bowl, and and, and at other times um, since he's been here, but certainly not consistently. And uh, um, you know you just wonder, you know, is he ever going to be a full time guy, or is he just going to be just kind of a guy who? Uh, um, you know, the, 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 is is limited in what he can do and plays ten games a year because he misses a bunch uh, with an injury. So, you know, we'll see with him. But um, yeah, it, it 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 has been much the same story for him here as it was in New York. It's the Know Your Opponent segment. This time we're talking about the New York Jets opponent on Sunday night, the Kansas City Chiefs. We're doing that with Adam Teicher. He is the ESPN Kansas City reporter here on 98.7 ESPN. Adam, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Trent McDuffie is uh, the top-rated corner, according to Pro Football Focus. What have you seen from him? Yeah, he's uh, done a really nice job. Uh, 
Um, just been a kind of a lockdown corner so far. And um, you know, the, the Chiefs used him in a variety of ways. He plays a lot of slot coverage. He plays outside some. So they move him around a little bit and uh, uh, forced a couple fumbles. He, so he's done a really nice job. Not a real big guy. He kind of breaks the mold. The Chiefs like bigger corners. All their other corners are over six feet, in some cases well over six feet, and, and just bigger guys. But he's only about 5'10". But uh they like uh, the way he plays, and uh, you know they traded up to get him last year in the first round, and uh, it's, it's proven to be worth it because he's been uh, he's been a real player for the Chiefs this year, big factor in why they've been so good defensively. Speaking of defense, if the Jets are going to be able to remain competitive in this game, clearly their defense is going to uh, have to be really one of the pillars for them. Uh, what has have the Chiefs talked anything about the the challenge that the Jets defense can pose? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, certainly. Um, you know, their Chiefs are aware of what the Jets go, have going on, and you know, they've talked a lot about um, you know a team that maybe doesn't do a whole lot of different things defensively, but what they do, they do well. So um, you know, that that's a front seven that uh, um, has given a lot of teams problems. So uh, the Chiefs uh, have a healthy dose of respect. Um, you know, in, in a corner, um, the, the Chiefs. Uh, Really loved Sauce Gardner when he was coming out, or who, who didn't. But uh, you know, they, they, their perfect scenario was being able to, you know, having him fall and being able to trade up maybe a few spots to get him. Of course, that didn't happen. But uh, and uh, you know, DJ Reed um, played against Pat Mahomes. He talked about a, an interception Reed had against him in college when they uh, when Reed was at Kansas State, Mahomes was at Texas Tech, and just say, hey, I remember what a smart player he is. So. Uh, yeah, there there is a a pretty healthy dose of respect there, no doubt. But there is no respect for the Jet offense. Come on, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't I, I didn't go He's that to far. Talk right? I I I have not gotten that far with any of the players or coaches yet. They have not uh, lied to me in that respect yet. <laughs> no, they're all too busy wondering what, what's going on with Taylor Swift. I know it's a nightmare, there you go. Adam. I know it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, please don't say that name again here, guys. <laughs> Adam, enjoy the game on Sunday night. Have a have a nice trip to the Big Apple. Thanks for a couple of minutes, and we'll talk to you down the line. Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. All right, take care. Adam Teicher. All right, Gordon, we know your opponents. Let's see what the audience thinks. 1-800-919-3776. Get Jet fans, Giant fans, give us your thoughts. Uh, the Seattle game is really interesting to me, Gordon, because – you know, you you heard what Brady Henderson had to say. The fact that they're not really getting off the field on third down, they have they're doing very they're doing really good against the run, but not so good against the pass. Uh, this could be a situation where the Giants might be able to put some points on the board and now turn the pressure back on Geno, who's who's played well, but he's not really passing well on third down. You know, his passer rating is like under fifty nine percent on third down. So. This could be a game if the if the Giants play things the right way that they could steal. They they kind of have to, right? I mean, um, I know the Seahawks have gotten off to a better start, but I think the only reason why Giant fans are not panic they're not in full blown panic mode is because you went up against Dallas and San Francisco's defense. Yeah. So that's absolutely. the caveat to the way that the season is. Well, sure, we struggle, but it's Dallas and it's San Francisco. Right. If all of a sudden they are not able to. Uh, significantly improve in, in not only protecting the quarterback, but tackling on defense. If they end up going out there and looking like they have 
for the most part this year, that full-blown panic will be on. No question about it. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, they definitely have to win this game against Seattle. They, this is a, a, one of these games where it's very important. It's a pace setter game. It's also a game versus the team that really set last season off to, you know, it really started a little bit of a lull they had last year when the Giants went to Seattle and yeah. got beat and kind of ruined their momentum a little bit last year. Now there's a little bit of payback because Seattle you know, seems to be rolling. Geno Smith playing well. Geno Smith, you know, with his history with the Giants. Armani Toomer. Gordon Damon, he was on the Michael K show. He's like, uh, you know, Giants really need this game, as he agrees with us. Yeah, well, I mean, again, as I said there before the break, I think a lot of the reason why the Giant fans are not going crazy just yet is because, right, you open the season against the Cowboys, you never beat the Cowboys. Now, you couldn't have looked worse. I, I don't know that there's any game that they play the Cowboys that they looked worse than that, at least mm-hmm. not recently. And then you have uh, you you get the win against Arizona, even though you didn't look good in the first half and you fall off, but you did get the win. You needed to have that win. And then you turn around in a short week without Saquon, without Andrew Thomas. Uh, it, that was about as the most predictable game result so far this year. Of course, the Niners at home are going to crush the Giants shorthanded. Yes. So this is a better judge. We'll have to wait and see as we get close to the Monday uh, if if Thomas is going to be back or if Saquon's going to be a part of it or, or just how many of their injured players are going to be back. But until they get more effective offensive line play, it almost feels like this. it's almost impossible to expect anything good to come yeah. against anybody. You're right. It's true. Off to the phones we go. Jack is in Manhattan. Jack, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, guys, thanks. I had two points, one for the Jets, one for the Yankees. I'll keep it simple and go Jets. Um, you guys know the X's and O's far better than I, but when I watch the game, um, you know, for me, there's kind of three dimensions of, 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 of particularly the offense. There's, you know, you pass, you run, but then there's this whole other world of, like, cadence and tempo and trick plays and stunts and doing stuff that is not expected, and I get zero 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 of that third dimension from the jets right now and i just wanted your um your thoughts on that uh they don't trust him to do it i don't know if he can do it i mean even something simple as change, changing the cadence as you mentioned to try to draw teams offside but to just make it even, even just anything like that would yeah, be yeah but help. larry just even like just just rushing up to the line and getting mm-hmm. off another play like you know the guy can yeah. walk so you would think they, they could they You're could right. do that even if it's a run or a pass it's fair. Yep. I mean, they did a little bit of it on that drive in the fourth quarter, which was a difference because you never see the Jets. I mean, Gordon, how many times have we said the Jets could just, just hurry up just to vary the tempo? They mm-hmm. never do it, but they did it on that play. Thanks for the phone call. So that was one of the things they did. Uh, and, you know, Gordon, it's, it's it's they don't really trust him to do a lot. So that's nope. why this is going to be real interesting this week because, listen, they got tr- he's got to put the ball up a little bit more than he has. You understood the game plan against New England. Keep it close. They're not going to score a lot of points on our defense, okay? So if we run the ball and do something, we're in this game. Gordon, as bad as the offense played, they were in the game. Yeah. But they won't be in the game this year. The Patriots were keeping you in that game. Yes. Uh, I mean, that was there to be taken, and and the Jets simply could not take it. And I get what he's saying, like, hey, he's not great at this. He's not great at that. Let's let's try to shake it up. I, I just don't think they want to put anything else on his plate. Yeah. 
I, I think the guy, that they're they're worried about even the most basic stuff. It doesn't seem like they're running very complex things. So to, to, no. to be calling reverses or calling this thing or that thing, I, I just think no matter what they say during the week about how much they trust them and how much they're behind them, their actions on Sundays show that they're not. They don't yeah. trust him. They don't think that he can handle much. Yeah. Well, we'll see because they, they have to do something this week, Gordon. Otherwise, they're going to be shut out like 70 to nothing. You know what I mean? Because you've got to be able – first of all, you can't have your defense out there running up and down the field on Patrick Mahomes in the offense. You can't have it. They, they, they're going to they're gonna collapse. They'll be, out on the, they'll be out on the field like 40, 40, 50 minutes with that offense. So they have to do something to give their defense a rest, at least to help keep them in the game. And God forbid the defense have a bad day. Oh, please. Yeah, I know. If they, the defense cannot afford to have a bad play. If they have a bad series – could, and, yeah. and again, I don't think the defense has been lights out. It's it's good. It's the best part of the team. It's not the eighty five Bears. It's not the, the uh, an elite defense. But they can't afford to have any letdown. I mean, they had one blown call, one blown pass play, mm-hmm. miscommunication. It cost them the game. It cost them the game last week. Yep. I mean, it's, that's, al- it's almost like a baseball team that, that that might score a run. But then they go out and the pitcher gives up a three-run home run and it's just, you must have this sinking feeling like, oh, how are we going to be able to make up? It's like watching the Yankee offense. Yeah. <laughs> when, when a team hits a three-run home run, you're like, how, oh my God, three runs, we have to score three times? Yeah. How are we going to be able to do that? And that's, that's got to be what the defense is thinking at times. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, let's hear from Nathaniel Hackett because this is one of the questions that he was asked today, Gordon, and he was asked... Um, how does how can you get Zach to find some open receivers? Here's what the Jets offensive coordinator had to say. It's continuous repetition. It's getting comfortable with everything. It's me calling great plays for him and putting everybody in the right position. So I think that's just one of those things as we work through all this. We just want to be sure we're putting people in continuous positions that are open. I think that's so important so that he'll start pulling the trigger. Yeah, I get all that, but I just, Gordon, I just don't see it. So, but But then again, you know, if you're a Jet fan, you here's what you say. Well, then what happened on that fourth down, on the fourth quarter drive that they just marched right down the field? How come How come that happened? How come he can't do that more often? Why is it that that's one? He'll give you one drive a game, it seems like. It's one drive. One drive a game that he can move the team down the field and get scoring, and every time else, he just can't do it. Well, it's the outlier, right? Like even Zach Wilson can lead you on one drive. It's almost like it's almost like uh, any given Sunday, yeah. <laughs> any given drive he can do it, but he can't do it every time. He can't do yeah. it all the time, uh, and it generally is not going to happen when the other team is is coming out and, and and instituting what their game plan was going into the game. It might happen later on in the game. It might be, and, and Sunday's game was at least it was still a game at that point, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't feel like he can do things consistently enough, and it does seem like the blocking, not that the, the offensive line was great by any stretch of the imagination, but it was good enough. Yeah. Uh, it certainly seemed like they had some guys open in the secondary that he just missed. Yeah. It just comes back to the quarter. I, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's really kind of it's kind of simple. It's like it the, the most obvious answer. It's, it's not anything other – like – it's not to say that the coaching is perfect or the defense is perfect or the running game or the ball. But at the end of the day, this guy is not good. It's really, it's, it's, you know why, you know why it's hard to say that Gordon, you know, why it's hard for people to say that because it's the NFL and, and, and he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't be that bad. 
for a number two pick not overall. For being the second pick in the draft, right? I mean, you if he's if he has to be something in yeah. there. But I, I would think that if we went through the mo- the biggest draft busts of all time, mm-hmm. they're all guys who have physical ability. It's not about the physical ability. It's about the 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 understanding of the position. It's about knowing the the, the right reads and and all that type of stuff. It's all the other stuff. Like go through. Who are the biggest draft busts at quarterbacks? Ryan Leaf would be one of them. Ryan yeah. Leaf was really talented. I mean, big, he's strong, he can throw the ball hard. Uh, you know, you can go through all, uh, Jamarcus Russell, right? I mean, he was yeah. a physical specimen. He could throw the ball, he could run, but he didn't understand the game and he didn't work hard enough. So I think it's more than just the physical ability. You can get sucked in, and I think that that's what teams do. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. look at the throw he made. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's clearly more than that. It really is. It really is. And, and you know, you, you make an interesting point because, oh, he can make every throw. That's what you hear, right? Mm-hmm. Mel Kuyper and all this guy. He can make every throw. Okay, that's great he can make every throw. But can he read the defense? <laughs> I need him to read the – I need him – his ability to read defenses is, is as important as his ability to make every throw, okay? Because, you know, if, if he can't read the defense, he, he can make every throw and it's going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's the little intangibles that you have and – you know, Gordon, it's just it, it's it's just mind-boggling that even with those struggles early, if you had if you would expect that there would be some progress, right? There'd be some more progress. Now, I'm not saying that he hasn't improved at anything. Okay, you've seen bits and pieces of him stepping up in the pocket. That's an improvement of him running forward instead of backwards. That's an improvement. It's been little things, but it, but for this to be year three. It's it's not enough. It's just not enough. And you know, there's this you got a lot of people's career in your hands, and that's a scary situation. Yeah, I, I mean, even the things that we're talking about are improvements for us to even be. Uh, we're so desperate Searching. to find Searching. anything, right? Like he's not running backwards now <laughs> when the pressure comes. I mean, that should not be where we're at. And and to go from where he is even with those improvements, to where he has to be as a bare minimum, it's miles away. 